0: wow i could really use current i also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales i guess i'll just go to their website at current.tech hi i'm danny j and i'm jill coleman welcome to the best life podcast y'all. It is Danny J and I'm doing a solo episode today. Um, This is something I've been getting a lot of questions about over the last couple years, honestly. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about and is living a nomadic life. Uh, In our intro, we talk about traveling the world, living your best life. And something Jill and I have done a lot is tons of travel prior to 2020, obviously, but since uh, the world is semi-opening up, this is, I'm in actually recording this from Tulum Mexico which is a couple hours outside of Cancun and this is actually my one two third time coming to Mexico in the last 12 months in fact I have another trip planned out here uh, within the next three weeks so I'll be coming to Mexico four times in the, this last year which is wild One of the reasons is there were some pre-planned trips and retreats I was supposed to be attending, and Mexico is like one of the only places we can go right now. So I think it's fantastic. Um, I really love Mexico, and I've come to love it even more lately. It's cheap, it's nearby, the weather's amazing, uh, but there's so many places in the world you can go. And just so you know, I've actually been to, I believe, I have to double check, but I believe I've been to 37 countries. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background of how I ended up in this life, the different things I've done. I've done RV living. I've also done this kind of nomadic living, digital nomad, if you will. And I have people always saying, gosh, that would be so cool, or I'd love to do that. What do you think? And my first response is always, yes, absolutely, you should. And there are times when people have maybe heard me lately, and and especially in the last year, I'm like, I'm tired. I I just want to have a place. I want to have my own place. And I think eventually you may get to that point. But I really do believe the experience is worth doing. Even if you hate it, even if it only lasts a month, even if it only lasts a few weeks and you're like, you know what? This isn't for me. I really believe trying something new and going for it is so important, especially if it's on your heart. I don't think that this type of lifestyle is for everyone and I don't believe that it's on everyone's heart. Some people are like, nah, that's not even something they would ever consider. But I talk to many people who say to me... I've always wanted to do that or I always thought it would be so cool to just travel and live out of a backpack or go see so many places. And if that's you, then my response to you is you should. You absolutely should. And you'll figure it out And it will be amazing or it won't. But either way, you'll have a story. And uh, all of 2020, Jill and I had this just funny thing. uh, I guess it was kind of a mantra of sorts of just do it for the story. We'd have these wild opportunities come to us, especially in dating. And you know, maybe some guys we wouldn't necessarily have gone out with in our old versions of ourselves. We're like, fuck it, do it for the story. And for me, I think life is too short. Um, I had a really good friend pass away in my early 20s. And ever since then, I've just really thought life is too short, and we got to live it up and have experiences. So I'll give you a little bit of a background of my story and kind of how I came around to this and how I started traveling and how I went to so many countries. Um, I guess I'll just start. So you know, or maybe you don't know, but when I was 15, I got pregnant, and I had a little baby girl, and at the time when I found out I was pregnant, I was actually in a, I'm just going to call it for back of a l- lack of a better word, a mental institution. It was a behavioral health center, a residential behavioral health center that I, I don't want to say I was sent to. I actually asked to go to because I was suicidal, severely suicidal. And my boyfriend at the time pretty much urged me to go. Um, I did not want to be alive. I was severely depressed, suffering with a lot of anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. And while I was there, the very first day they tested me for drugs and alcohol and pregnancy, found out I was pregnant. And my first thought was, well, I'm having an abortion because I'm going to kill myself anyway. And so I just, I'm sharing this to just get to the story of how my perspective has changed. And I ended up just having a just weird experience where I met a woman and I felt this urge to place my baby with her. And through all the things that happened, I ended up not placing her with her, but I did decide to place my baby for adoption and choose her family. And I had still in the back of my mind, kept thinking, okay, after this is done, I'm still going to kill myself. And when I had my daughter and I held her in my arms, I just thought, "Oh my god, what if she grows up and she asks about me?" Which she indefinitely will want to know the story of her birth and how she came around and why she was placed for adoption and and I thought, "What if she finds out I killed myself and she thinks it was her fault for being born?" And I already felt so much guilt for placing her and make and hoping that she wouldn't feel unwanted and that she didn't that she didn't have the same feelings I did of not wanting to be here. And that thought crushed me. And how can I do this to this innocent baby who, she didn't ask to be here, she didn't ask for any of this, she didn't ask for this crazy life. And so I just had this silly thought that if I'm gonna stay here, I have to find something to do. And it was that simple. Like if you're gonna be alive, it's not gonna be that bad, you just have to find something to do. And so this came to this little silly thing where I just started to find reasons to live. And when I was in college, I worked for UNLV Outdoor Adventures and there was a black woman on one of our trips. We were going to Zion National Park in Utah to go camping and she was the only black woman we had and she was turning 30 that year and she said, I'm doing something every single year that I've never done or just that's kind of like a bucket list type of thing. And I don't think she used the term bucket list because I didn't know what that was but she said, I'm going camping because black people don't go camping. And I'm sharing this story and saying these words, cause this is exactly how she said it. She goes, black people don't go camping. She said, so I'm going on this, this month. And then next month I'm going skydiving. And then the next month I, I forgot what all of her things were, but I was like, that is so cool. She's just doing all these really fun adventures and doing things she thought she'd never do. And I go, I want to do something for when I'm 30. And I think I was 21 at the time. And so that summer, I had actually traveled to Europe because I had made a kind of pact with myself. If I went to UNLV, because I didn't want to go to UNLV, I grew up in Las Vegas, hated Vegas. I really wanted to move when I was 18 and get to another state. Um, but I was paying for my own college and it was going to cost me like $200,000 to go to some out-of-state schools that I had been accepted to. So I had made a pact to myself if I stayed in at UNLV that my summers, I would go away. And so the prior summer I had gone to Europe and I had actually gotten a URL pass and gone to five different countries, uh, well actually six, um, traveling around. And so I was like, well, I already went to five countries. What if I try to hit 30 countries by the time I'm 30? Cause this woman who was 30 years old inspired me to do that. I, go, I don't want to wait till I'm 30 to do like one thing a month. How about I start now? And this gave me at least this reason to try to live to 30. And also side note, I don't know why I just had this feeling in the back of my mind that I would still die before I turned 27. So I got stuck with this thing about 27. So it was almost this way to like push past 27. So I had already hit six countries, big goal, see 30 countries by the time I'm 30. And so um, I had hit the five the last year and every summer my goal was to just go away and travel some more. So this is kind of where it all began. And I remember meeting my ex-husband and I told him this. And so one of the trips we did, I found this cruise that hit 18. Co- Actually, no, this, was a, this wasn't this was the cruise. The cruise was later. I found a like land tour that went to 18 countries. No, I'm sorry. It went to 10 countries in 18 days. So I told him about this and we went on this really crazy, wild tour. And we hit 10 countries in 18 days, which was a whirlwind, but they were close. It was like these Eastern European bloc countries like Lithuania, Estonia, uh, Latvia. And it was really magical, super fun, really, really amazing. And so by this point, I had hit a good amount of countries by the time I was 26. So I've had this I don't want to say I had this bug for adventure since I grew up, but I would say it was definitely sparked by my daughter being born, my friend dying, and then meeting this woman with this goal. And it was this combination of all these things of like, life's too short, I need something to live for, I got to find something to do, and this sounds really cool to hit this kind of goal. So this is kind of where it was all born from, and I... I really can't say that anyone could implant this in you, but maybe they can. I, I'm trying to think of back when I was a little girl, I had these two dolls. They were these dolls that were dressed in like a culture. And I had one that was dressed like in Greek, a Greek costume. And another one that was dressed in like uh, the wooden shoes, like Dutch Holland. And so I'd always have these dreams to go to Greece and to go to Holland. And then I also just had this dream to go to Australia. I just thought like, I want to go to Australia. It just sounds, it's funny because I thought I was going to say it sounds exotic, even though I don't think Australia sounds exotic. It's very similar to the States. Um, but it was so far away. So my only dreams as a little girl were to see really mostly Greece. And I didn't know anything about Greece. I just liked my little Greek, Greek doll. And Australia because I thought it sounded cool and exotic. So these adventures really built a lot of confidence in me in traveling. Uh, I took seven years of French, and I could speak it relatively well, but mostly I could understand it. I could read it really well. And so my first time in Europe going to Paris and going to Nice, France and going to Switzerland, it built my confidence in like being able to communicate. But y'all, this was also early 2000s. So there was no Google Translate. Uh, I couldn't, I don't know, there wasn't no like maps on our phone. So I literally had to use paper maps, and then just try to ask people directions and get around. So I honestly really built a lot of confidence. I was terrified, but I built a lot of confidence on figuring things out without all these tools. So today, I would say today, definitely there should be a lot less hesitation because we have so many tools. Like I'm in Mexico right now. I needed to find a suitcase and I needed to talk to someone in the store. And I literally pulled up Google Translate on my phone and I wrote out the sentence I needed and showed it to the woman. And then she responded to me. And actually on the beach, just a few, uh, last week, I wanted to buy a hat from this man on the beach and he had, and I learned it from him. So he had Google translate on his phone. He was trying to talk to me. So he'd say a sentence and then he'd show me on the phone, the translation in English. And then I wrote back to him and we were able to communicate that way. So today, oh my God, you don't have to use language as a, a barrier to not let yourself travel, um, or experience something new. Cause it's so much easier with smartphones. It's freaking incredible. I wish they had that in early 2000s, but alas, they did not. I managed, I figured it out. I figured out the trains. Sometimes I'd go one, one or two stops in the wrong direction, have to jump off the train, get on the other side and go the other way. But I figured it out. It built confidence and it made me realize that the world is so big and I learned so much about other cultures and who I was. And it made me come back with a completely different perspective. And so I'm going to say just this as a broad generalization, I believe everyone should leave their home country at least once. Now, I'm not saying everyone should live nomadically or live in an RV or do that if that's not what feels good to you or you don't have a calling, you don't feel called to do that. But I do think you should get the hell out of your own country. At least leave your own state. At least go to like New York City or I don't know. Hollywood or somewhere that's like big and maybe a little bit scarier for you if you come from a smaller town. And I just think there's so much to learn and it pushes you outside your comfort zone. It can be really scary, really intimidating, but you learn so much self-reliance. And we just did a podcast episode on building confidence. And I cannot even explain how much confidence traveling can build for you because of the just inherent uncertainty, unknowing, figuring it out, and things that you will learn about yourself along the way. So you can see, I'm getting so excited talking about this. It just, it really just builds so much within you. And I love seeing people travel for the first time. So my parents have actually never left the country In fact, I could say my dad was born and raised in Las Vegas, pretty much grew up there, never really left Vegas, California, Utah. So that just like three Southwestern states. And so in 2010, my ex-husband and I found a cruise that also went to, I want to say 10 countries, can't remember for certain, um, I think 10 countries, and we bought this cruise for my parents and they... It was wild to see. It was very cool to see because they just had never traveled outside the U.S. They'd never even considered. I don't think they even thought in their lifetime they would ever have that experience. So to take someone else and see them, you know, not necessarily like seeing through a child's eyes, but just seeing through someone else's eyes, travel, and it's just really, really cool. And what an amazing experience to do. And when you do a trip like that, you know, there are there's times where I've just done this backpacking situation where I have gone out on my own and figured it out. And then there are times like these, like the trip I went on with my ex-husband and my parents, where it was a planned trip. And so there was a guide and there was someone who could kind of take you to different places. And I'd say either one is amazing because you will still learn so much And if you are more intimidated by doing the choose your own adventure tour, then find something like that where there's a guide and they're taking you to great spots and you're with a group and you meet new people and you're still going to have to figure out how to get yourself there. You're still going to have to figure out some logistics, but then once you're there, you feel safe and you feel taken care of. So the next level, I guess I'm going to put this in levels. I don't know. Um, the next level of nomadic living is the Instead of going on a guided tour, is like your self-tour, you know, picking a spot. I also did this in 2011. I went with a couple, uh, my husband and another couple, and we picked a place to get to. We were going to Beijing, China. We actually threw darts at a map, and then we all, we ended up kind of picking what was closest to where all our darts landed, which was China. So this is just random how we picked where to go. And we decided if we're going all the way out there to Asia, we're gonna hit Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia. So we bought a flight into Beijing, China, and then our exit flight was three weeks later out of Bangkok, Thailand. But we had no in-between plans of how we were gonna to get to ba- uh, Bangkok and where we were gonna go in between. So this was kind of this more scary, open-ended type of vacation. But we figured what if we get there and we really, really love Beijing and we want to stay longer and we didn't want to have to be on a timeline where we're like, crap, we have to get to the next place if we're really enjoying, which left a really amazing opportunity for like going with the flow and seeing what panned out. And what was really cool was we talked to other travelers. We found out about a place in Vietnam called Moine, which I never would have been to, never would have experienced, never would have seen had I planned this ahead of time because I never heard of it and it wasn't really, I don't know, it wasn't really talked about. You know about the big cities. And we ended up at this little sleepy beach town called Moyne and it was a very popular vacation spot for Russians. So there was a lot of Russian signs and things around there. And we stayed there for a good couple of days. We had the best food. It was so ridiculously cheap. We stayed in these villas right on the beach for like $29, $22 a night insanely, insanely cheap. And because it was so amazing, we just extended our stay there. And then we went to Cambodia, we realized we weren't really feeling Cambodia, so we're like, let's get the hell out of here, let's go to Bangkok. So you can plan these trips that are planned out for you, they feel a little safer, there's some things you maybe wanna see, and you have guides and you have friends and people around you or you can do something wild and crazy and just say here's where we're going to start here's where we're going to finish i have no idea what's going to happen in the middle but i'm going to figure it out and i'm going to book something and it works out it just does i don't know how to explain it but there's hotels there's airbnbs with social media and the internet oh my god so much easier this was even back in 2010 where um, face you can't use facebook in china which was crazy. I couldn't even check my Facebook page. Um, but there, it was a lot different as far as booking. Uh, we just actually, I think just kind of found places and showed up. We ended up getting in, uh, I want to say Cambodia, getting off of a train and finding a tuk-tuk driver, which is like their little taxis, but they're really small who just took us to a place to sleep. And it was just Fun, wild, spontaneous, scary at times, but do it for the story. Hashtag do it for the story. So there's that way of traveling as well. And this could be vacation. Obviously, you don't have to live this way. And these are ways you can just have the adventure, have the experience of doing the thing without actually leaving your house or selling all of your stuff and moving into an RV or moving into Airbnbs. So now that you know that I've been on this these kind of wild adventures, it would only <laughs> it would only make sense that my life would lead to the next, which was living in a motorhome. So my ex-husband, I think, saw somebody on Facebook selling their Class C motorhome. And a Class C is kind of one of those ones that looks like a van in the front and you drive it. And he was like, Babe, check this out. And I was like, that's cool just kind of not thinking anything of it, literally never had the idea to do this, y'all. Like never ever had the idea to do this. And he was like, wouldn't that be cool to have one? And at this time we had lost our home in Vegas. We had foreclosed on it, moved to Dallas, lived in a one bedroom apartment. So we had a really downsized a ton. But we were living in an apartment and we had like a covered parking space. And I was like, babe what the hell would we do with that? Like one, we've never been camping as a couple. We've been together like six, seven years, never been camping. And two, we have this parking space that has a, you know, roof on it. Where will we park that thing? And so he just kept bringing it up. And I was like, babe, if we bought one of those, we would have to move in it. Like we would definitely need to live in that thing if we're ever going to buy something like that. And then he starts looking on Craigslist. And he just keeps showing me these RVs and motorhomes. And I kept saying, "Okay, we're going to live in it. Okay, we're going to live in it. And then we just had this moment where we looked at each other and we're like, wait, what if we did? Could we? Like, that might be kind of fun or crazy. And suddenly we just started, it started as kind of a joke, but then we started entertaining the idea. Like, what if we did, what if we moved in and then we like took our work with us? And at this point we were in a network marketing company together. I had my fully online business with Sweaty Betty's. I had online clients. He had quit his job and he was doing work with me in network marketing. And we had this huge tax bill the year before. We didn't have any write-offs, like we didn't have a home anymore. And I was like, what if we did this and then we drove around the country and met with all of our teams in different states and this was a big write-off and we could just have this adventure. And suddenly we were going down the path of going, we're never doing this to, could we really do this to, we started looking at Craigslist and like going to CRVs to buy (laughs) And we had like 20,000 cash in the bank. And I was like, let's just buy one. Let's just do this thing. We ended up meeting up with this family who was selling their motor home. And again, y'all, this is why I say, if you think about doing this, you should do it. It was this couple, they were in their 60s, I want to say, 60s or early 70s. And they had waited till retirement. They're like, when we retire, we're going to do the RV thing and travel around. And within six months of retirement, the wife was diagnosed with cancer and they had to come home. And they wanted, that's why they were selling their motor home. We ended up buying it from them at a huge discount. We didn't use all the cash. It was, we bought it cash, but we didn't even use all of money. And I just remember thinking, this is why I want to do this now. I'm in my thirties. I don't want to wait till I'm retired to do this. Like, there's no guarantee that you're going to make it this far. And y'all, if it wasn't just another reminder this month that my mom passed away before she retired, 62 years old, my dad is retiring this month and he's he's not, they don't get to travel together. They had plans to do some things and they can't. So I'm getting emotional, but life is too short. If you want to do it, like fucking figure it out and do it. Honestly, just do it. Um, so we bought this RV from this couple. It was a 1997 class A, which means it more like a bus versus a van, like a huge home with a slide out. So it was really pretty big. However, our apartment was about 7,800 800 square feet. This RV was 300 square feet. So we had to downsize and downsize some more. So we uh, put a little money into it. We remodeled the inside so it looked super dope. It was really cool, lots of cool before and after pictures, and we just decided we're not going to have a storage unit. We're just going to sell all of our stuff. We don't have that much. We've downsized once, and I remember when we moved from our home to the apartment, that was a big downsize, and I remember walking in that apartment going, wow, this is all we have. Like, this is all we have. It was such a different energy of feeling like I lost everything, lost the home in Vegas, foreclosed gave up our cars moving to this one-bedroom apartment thinking this is all we have and then the shift in moving into the rv and having to sell our stuff and going oh my god we have so much like we have to get rid of so much to downsize to move into this motorhome and such a different feeling and energy and there was two feelings, one feeling of freedom of like, Oh my God, we're getting rid of all this. We don't have any burden. We don't have this stuff. And on the other hand, these weird attachments to things I didn't want to let go of and I didn't want to sell. Like we we're at this, we are selling stuff in a garage sale. And there was this stupid little, like a desktop glass thing of grass. It was like a paper holder or what are they called? They, they're like heavy. I don't know what they're, I can't remember what they're called. It was a piece of grass like you put on your desk, a decoration. And this one was like, how much do you want for this? And I was like, $5. She goes, how about a dollar? And I just remember like thinking, oh my God, how rude. I'm like, I don't want to sell this to you for a dollar. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this in the RV? I can't keep it. And I was like, okay. And I just felt so crushed that I gave this thing away for a dollar. And at the same time, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with it? And it had no real emotional attachment, but I just didn't want to get rid of it because it was cute and I liked it. And it was a very interesting experience in letting go and seeing what attachments you have to your stuff and your things. And I felt like I had already gone through that during the foreclosure and like really getting rid of stuff and detaching from things. But then to go from 700 square feet to 300 square feet and really figuring out exactly what we could keep even in my closet, I'm like, okay, I get one pair of boots one pair of heels, one pair of sneakers, and one pair of sandals, and that's it because I don't have room in my closet for a lot of stuff, and then I had to narrow down all my black Lululemon leggings and narrow them down to like just two or three pairs. This was a really good practice in letting go, so a lot of people will ask, you know, when you're moving in, should I sell everything? Should I move everything into storage? This is up to you. It is very, very, normal to want to just not let go of things, keep a storage unit. Um, But it's also very freeing to just get rid of it all and start over and see what happens. You never know. We went to the RV with, let's see how long this lasts. We don't know if we're going to like it. We don't know if we're going to hate it, but we're going to do it for as long as we want to. And it ended up being about a year that we did it. And then we had some family things happen and we shifted. So big questions people generally ask for me about RV living is like, what do I do with my stuff? Totally up to you. We sold everything except for like the necessities that we could take with us. And we just decided we're going to do this until we're done doing it. And then we'll figure out the next thing. Um, a lot of people question people ask me the most. I thought the people would ask me the most about toilets and going to the bathroom. But the question people asked me the most was, what are you going to do about TV? Which I thought was very strange because I didn't watch TV. And so I never, I never considered that. Uh, But a lot of RVs have TV in them and you can get satellite and you can get um, like Wi-Fi that goes with you. So if you're worried about TV, you could do that. The next question people ask is where to stay. So in RV living, we were going from we kind of had a tour we wanted to go up the east coast and then get back down towards the middle before winter so we started this in late fall or early fall sorry in september so we started in dallas went up the east coast and we were back by november trying to hit new york we went up to canada michigan detroit we went through nashville so we were we're moving very quickly I would say if you're doing RV living and you're thinking about budgets, I thought, oh, it's going to be so much cheaper. Well, ha ha. Gas to fill that motherfucker up, if you're driving every day, was between $100 and $300 a day just to fill in gas. So you're spending a lot of money in gas. Um, And then I thought, well, you don't have to pay for your home because you're living in it. But if you go to RV parks, those are generally between $80 to $300 a night as well. So... Um, if you stay at an RV park long-term, like if you live there for a month or so, which we also did, those are like 300 to $700 a month. And maybe if you're in Malibu, I think it's like 1000 to 3000 a month. So it's still quite a bit. So if you're thinking it's less money than living in a home, that's not necessarily the case, plus the RV itself. I mean, we, we got an older one and revamped it, but there's RVs that are upwards of $500,000 to a million dollars, like a legit home. So... There's a lot of, excuse me, there's a lot of different ways to do the RV travel life. Um, You can see a lot of things in a short amount of time where you're just staying on the road. And maybe you're even doing the van life. Van life might be a little bit easier where you can do more travel and you can pick up and go. When, if I was to do it again and make suggestions, if you're doing the RV since it's bigger and you have your home, I would say go to a place and stay for an extended amount of time, at least a week or two weeks, maybe even three weeks. So you get to know the area, you get to really enjoy it. So if I were to do it again, I go, okay, I'm going to go to Nashville and stay for 10 days to three weeks. And then I'm going to go to maybe Tampa or whatever cities you choose and give yourself time to just really enjoy and see the place. And we actually did that in a few places. We stayed at a few spots for about 10 days at a time Um, because it is hard to unpack and pack and get everything put back together and also you just want to enjoy and really see where you're at so if you're living the van life where you're kind of more camping camp style then I think it's easier to just spend two or three days because you're kind of jumping and you don't have to it's not so big it's like steering a a wakeboard boat versus steering a yacht like you can't make a sharp turn in a yacht you're like have to take a real wide turn you want to take your time with it if you got the van life situation, I feel like that's a little easier to just zip along and probably could cost a lot less for gas too. Um, and then where to go? I think there's so, being open to going new places. Like, maybe your first idea was to, like our first idea was to go to Nashville. Then a lot of people were saying, have you been to Gatlinburg? And I never heard of Gatlinburg. So we went through Gatlinburg. And so being open to meeting new travelers and being open to going, let's find cities and places that maybe are off the beaten path that we didn't know about. And that's what's really cool about having these kind of lifestyles is you're just open to possibilities and new places and seeing things you never imagined. Now, I know there's those planners out there that it's like, my ex-husband was definitely a planner. He wanted to know what was next and he wanted to know well, you know, where we were going to go and how we were going to be. And I would encourage, if you are that kind, to try to push yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit and see if you can go off of your, you know go off of your plan a little bit and be open to new places and new things to see. Um, As far as budgeting, if you're doing this maybe just as a, like you're going to rent an RV, you're going to do it for a few weeks, I would definitely look at mm, budgeting a couple hundred dollars a day for gas, a couple hundred dollars a day for places to stay, and then You know, you can pack your own food and do that kind of thing, but it definitely isn't the most budget conscious way to travel. But the pros of living in an RV are you have your own place. Like you literally are bringing your apartment with you and you have your own stuff. You've got your drawers, you have your bathroom, you have everything there. And if you've seen RVs, they're pretty a lot of them are pretty luxurious and feel pretty big. I actually felt like we had plenty of space. Uh, and that was my ex husband, myself, and my two dogs, which were 60 and 80 pounds. So I never felt like it was cramped. That was my big concern, was like not having a lot of room. But I felt like we had plenty of space and I really enjoyed it. Um, and obviously, if you're doing this as a lifestyle, Wi Fi is super important. Um, if you have a job that you can take with you, then. Sweet. Other things, if you're on the road, is paying attention to time zones. If you have meetings and you're driving from one time zone to another, you want to make sure you're very aware of those time zone changes. Um, And then the last, the the next level of nomadic living is kind of what I've been doing the last three years. And that's, I've been living out, I always say I've been living out of a suitcase. Uh, Kind of how this started was I was going to be Going to Vegas for a conference in January 2018, and then I had a speaking event right after, and then I had like another com. I had s- some stuff like back to back, and I was literally only going to be home for one day in January, and I had just moved in with a roommate. Um, he was in my old building, and we decided like let's save some money and move in together. And one of his friends had this cool spot in Playa uh, Playa Del Rey, so we moved out of Venice. And I went to my roommate and said, hey, I'm going to be gone all of January. I'm thinking about subletting my room out, if that's cool. Because I didn't really want to pay rent, (laughs) basically like a storage unit, when I wasn't going to be there. And I said, what do you think about that? Or do you think I should just try to find a new roommate? I was like, what would be better for you? He said, well, to be honest, finding a new roommate probably would be better. And I said, hey, that's cool. So he looked for a room, or I think I told him if he could find a new roommate, I'd be fine to leave. So I didn't have much stuff. I had basically gone from RV life to moving to LA and a studio apartment and then this apartment. So I really didn't have anything. I had like a couch and a bed and he ended up finding a roommate. And I said, cool, I'm just going to do the travel stuff. And I had actually ended up booking more trips. So it was like three months of travel, January, February, March, I was pretty much gone. It was conferences, speaking, those kind of things. And there was only one or two days in between all of them that I was going to be, that I would have been home. So I just decided, well, after the three months, I'll just get a new apartment and I'll sign a new lease. And I ended up selling my bed, selling my little futon. And packing my clothes and I sent them over to my parents' house. I was like, Hey, I'll just use my closet and put my stuff there. And that three months ended up turning into fourth month and then five months and then six months. And suddenly I was like, uh, I guess I don't have a place (laughs) and I'm just doing this. And so it never was really a plan for me to live like this, it just one thing turned into another. And it kept not making sense to sign a lease when I was going to be leaving again. And I didn't want to send, you know, put down security deposits and pay two months rent when I was going to be gone. And so this kind of was this accidental thing. And what also happened was my dogs died and I also didn't have a reason to come back. And I just made the conscious choice. I go, you know, this is the one time in my life. I'm not sure if I'm ever gonna be able to do this again, but I'm single, don't have any pets. This is the time in my life where I can do this. And so once I realized I had that opportunity available to me, I looked for more ways to travel and more places I could go. And maybe if there was a conference in a certain city, then I would just extend my stay and just stay in an Airbnb a little bit longer and meet people there. And so it just turned into this really kind of fun adventure where wherever I go, there I am. And this is where I live now. And then I also decided, you know, I'm in LA, because of the circumstances, but I'm not sure this is where I want to live. And there's so many places I've never been that I've thought about living. Like I thought I might want to live in New York City. I might want to live in Nashville. I might want to live in Austin, Texas. I might want to live in Salt Lake City. So why don't I just give it a go and travel to these places and see if that's something I might enjoy doing? And so that's literally what I did. I went to these places with either the intention of seeing how I liked it to live, or I had a conference and I just decided to stay, and if I liked it, I'd stay longer. And it turned into almost three years of living like this. And what really shifted for me was about two years in, maybe a year and a half in, I really wanted to be in a relationship again. And I was convinced that I could not be in a relationship when I kept leaving. And it, you know, it was evidenced by the fact that I was going on dates and then I was like, hey, it was really nice to meet you, but I don't live here and I gotta go. And so I had made a conscious decision in 2019 that I'm going to choose a place to live and I had narrowed it down to Austin or Nashville and I was going to move there in June. And the irony was that in February I met Jeff, my boyfriend now, and I met him in LA. Was leaving the next day, I said, Yeah, hey, it's nice meeting you and I'll probably never see you again. Went to Vegas. Jill and I had a photo shoot in Utah we were supposed to go to the following day and it snowed, so we couldn't get out of Vegas, which Vegas never snows. And Jeff happened to be coming into town for a meeting. And I was still there because I was stuck there. We ended up going on a second date. I said, well, that's cool. First date in LA, second date in Vegas, two days later. It's kind of weird coincidence. But then we kept having these kind of run-ins or ways that we were meeting each other in different states. I saw him in New York and then I saw him in Nashville and I was going, this is kind of crazy. It's working out, which I didn't think I could be in a relationship where I could not be in one place. And so he and I kind of just kept it going that way together. And we found ways that we could travel together. Or when we were apart, we never were apart more than three weeks. So, but after that, we obviously made our relationship work, but I still was very tired. And I'll tell you the cons of this kind of life and living is staying on track with work gaining momentum, getting a routine. So for me, health and fitness, it is very tricky when you're leaving somewhere every three or four days to try to go to the gym, to eat really healthy. You know, you're eating out a lot. You have to get to where you're out of the vacation mindset. You know, when you're on vacation, you're like, let's get appetizers and drinks and dessert. But when you're living like this every day, you got to cut back on that shit or you're going to be hurting And feeling like you're just bloated and feeling overwhelmed. So eating had to really change for me. Um, Time zones can be really exhausting. When you're going from East Coast to West Coast or other countries, you start to get it tired. And then I was feeling like I was losing momentum on my work because I'd start a project and then I'd be on a plane and couldn't work on it. I really just wanted to find a little bit more peace and kind of a home base and up until this point, my home base was kind of my parents' house. Um, just left my stuff in my closet and I could go switch out, you know, summer, winter clothes, that kind of thing. So I do think in this case, having a storage unit or having some kind of a home base or friend's place to go to is a little bit more ideal. Um, otherwise you just have what you can carry. So an RV, you, you're Your home is going with you. In this kind of life, whatever you can carry and whatever you're wearing is what you got. And so you're not getting a lot of, I don't know, you don't have a lot of little extras. You really just like, my podcast equipment I have with me, it's small and it's carryable, but it also takes up space. So you have to really keep your necessities with you. Um, There are some cool things you could do living this way. There's Because there's a lot more digital nomads, there's a site called Outsite co. And I stayed with them for a week. They're, these, they're basically group co-working homes that you can move into with a lot of digital nomads and they're really affordable. It's like an Airbnb, but you get to meet people, you get to meet other travelers, and it's a really beautiful home, beautiful location, and they have places all over the world. Um, and then also when I was trying to re-enter and find a place to live, there's something called landing, uh, hellolanding.com. And these are like long-term Airbnbs. So they're fully furnished. You've got your kitchen, you have all your stuff, and you can stay for 30 days, 60 days. You can stay for a year, but there's no leases or anything like that. So there's ways that you can do this kind of living, but you extend your stays versus doing the flying back to back to back. So that was something actually before my mom got sick, Jeff and I were going to move into one of the landings because the... One of the big cons of trying to re-enter society after living this way is that we have nothing. I had no furniture. I was like, oh my God, we have to furnish a whole new house. I don't have any rental history because they wanted two, two years prior rental history and I hadn't been living anywhere for two years. So the landing was a really positive... It was very positive to find because I was freaking out going, how am I going to furnish an entire new place and show rental history when I have none? So... That was something cool to find. And maybe even if you're, if maybe you moved somewhere and you're not really sure where you wanna live yet because you're not sure of like the area and you're not ready to sign a lease, check out these two options because that will give you a good space and time to just really, you know, figure it out. So um, I hope this kind of like uh, gave you some ideas of how it could look, how things could be different, um, maybe open up some ideas for you. If you think you can do it, if you think it had to look a certain way, I think you could take just 30 days off, 60 days off. You could leave your place at home, sublet it out, and then just take off for three months and then come back to your life. Uh, the one cool thing is that this life is so short. You get to make it look how you want it to look. And I hope that maybe this just gives you ideas to just go, you know what, maybe I could try that. It's, testing the waters the way that technology is now has really set us up to where we can we can just test and then go back so maybe you're like hey i want to try living in new york city for just a month or two and then i have my place back at home and i sublease it out or just you know leave it open and come back to my own life or maybe you go shoot i do like it i'm gonna i'm gonna move i'm gonna sell my stuff i'm gonna do this whole thing and go all in but there's so many opportunities now where you can just test out this kind of lifestyle and when you're ready to change, you'll know. And for me, it was like a year and a half in, two years in, I'm like, okay, I'm tired now. I want my own place. And what I've been missing and craving is consistency. That's what I've really been missing and craving is consistency and routine. And also just like having a drawer and having my own, like a bathroom for my stuff instead of digging out of my suitcase, bending over. I think I'm tired of living in the dark and like trying to find stuff out of piles. And maybe if I packed better, I wouldn't mind so much, but looking for things over and over feels like it takes so much damn time that I just want to know where is my shampoo? Where is my face wash? Where is my stuff? And uh, I have got definitely gotten better packing systems at this point. Um, but you know, I would never say, cause where I am right now, I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. I would never say, don't do it. I'd say, do it as long as you can, as for as long as you want to and have a blast doing it. And if you do, Please tell me all about it. We'd love to see you on the road. We'd love to share your stories. You will meet so many other travelers. You would be amazed by how many people uh, from other countries, especially, are traveling and living this kind of lifestyle. You can move to other countries. There are so many people that are doing this. Um, I think that's a huge just expander. And uh, yeah. So anyway, if you like this kind of topic, if you have more questions about it, feel free to DM us on thebestlifepodcast.com uh, sorry, DMS on the best life podcast on Instagram, and then go to the best life podcast.com to join our private Facebook group and post in there and let me know. And we'd love to have you share your stories. If you've been doing this for a short amount of time, a long amount of time, if I missed anything and I'll see you on the next episode.